What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Daryl Morey stepping down from his position running the Rockets. And then we're going to turn our attention to the NBA draft. We are basically a month away from draft night. It's time to start talking about what the Blazers might do. In the second segment, we'll talk about the NBA draft process. It's going to be a little bit different this year and this week. There is a key landmark we're going to hit as teams get ready for the draft. And finally, we'll close out the show looking at the big picture on how the Blazers will approach this draft, considering where they are as a team and what they've done in the past to see if we can find any keys to what they might do in the future. But before we turn the tables to the NBA draft, let's talk about the biggest news in the NBA today. With apologies to Tyron Lue, who today became the head coach of the LA Clippers, but the biggest news in the league, for the purposes of our show here, Locked on Blazers, is that Daryl Morey has stepped down as the general manager of the Houston Rockets. Morey was hired in 2006. He's been there forever. He took over as general manager the following year in 2007, and over the last 13 seasons, the Rockets have been very good. In fact, in Maury's tenure, there's only one team that has been consistently better at winning regular season games, and that's the San Antonio Spurs, the most consistent franchise in all of professional sports. The Rockets won more than 60% of their games and won at least 50 games eight times under Maury. He was, he was a really good GM. I say that as someone who values consistency. Maury might consider himself maybe not as successful as someone who was maybe obsessed with winning championships or certainly obsessed with taking down the Warriors at the end of his tenure. But the news here is that Maury is gone and that the Rockets will move forward with some internal promotions. Raphael Stone takes over as the GM. And so there's going to be some continuity there in Houston. If you've been following this at all, the writing was on the wall. Maury got sort of somewhat tepid backing for his free Hong Kong tweet. Some of that is because of capitalism and how billionaires are perhaps wired to protect their money over all else. But the writing in some ways has been on the wall since last September when that went down. When Mike D'Antoni decided to not come back and coach the Rockets, it was sort of the inevitable first of two steps. It was going to be, we thought last year, or at least I thought last year, that D'Antoni and Morey were both going to be gone because the Rockets just seemed to be a little bit in turmoil. I don't know if things are as sort of righteously tumultuous as I thought they might be, but D'Antoni and Morey are both gone. If you want a deeper analysis of this, check out Locked on Rockets. They'll jump into it. But for our purposes here on Locked on Blazers, I want to think about what it means that the Rockets have now lost their coach and their GM. The Rockets have been one of the very good teams. They were the best, they were the toughest challenge for the Golden State Dynasty, more so than LeBron Cavs, who even beat them in the finals. The Rockets played the Durant Warriors as tough as anyone in the NBA. And as Kevin Pelton of ESPN pointed out in a wonderful story story I read of his today is that in the short term, the biggest decision that anyone in the front office is going to make, Raphael Stone specifically is going to make for the Rockets, is a coaching decision. Perhaps a coaching decision is a vet to kind of coax out one or two more seasons out of Russell Westbrook, or maybe it'll be a young coach and this is the beginning of an overhaul. But as Pelton pointed out, the overhaul probably can't come that easily. It's, you know, it's going to be hard to trade Aaron Gordon, who just signed a four-year, $76 million extension. It's going to be hard to trade 
Robert Covington because they they just for sunk cost reasons they just trade away Clint Capella and a first round pick to get him. They're probably not going to get that but much back in return. It's hard to trade Russell Westbrook. He's owed a whole bunch of cash, and his graph seems to be pointing in the wrong direction. And he also seems maybe a little bit ornery. So in the immediate future, the Rockets might look very similar. And they might be about the same level of competitive. A team that's going to finish, you know, somewhere between second and seventh in the West and be, and be tough and unique and, and hard to play against, but maybe not title level contenders considering their financial situation. But I think what this signals is that a the Rockets changing their stripes is coming. At some point, they're going to have to tear this down. What Maury was really good at was shifting from era to era, from the James Harden and Dwight era to James Harden and Chris Paul, from James Harden and Chris Paul to James and Russell Westbrook. They never took those steps back. Basically, since they've acquired Harden in 2013, they've been a really good team. They've been sort of like, well, other than one year when they finished eighth, they've been a team that could make the Western Conference Finals. Like, they're that good. But I think... A new direction is coming, and for the Blazers, any team in the West getting worse is good news. Now, like I said, this is probably not coming this season, not in the 2021 season. But perhaps ahead of Harden's free agency in 2023, the Rockets will have a major shakeup coming. This is the end of an era. Even if it's not the end of the Rockets' power, it is unquestionably the end of an era. It could happen faster than we think. It could happen, like I said, it could take a full season before we see major shifts in what what becomes of this Rockets team. But there is no question that today, October 15th, as I record this, today is the end of a specific era in Houston, and Maury's exit signals that it's over. I kind of think the Rockets will still be good. I kind of think they'll run it back, but... This might be the last shot at it, and it's certainly going to look different with no Mike D'Antoni on the sidelines and no Daryl Morey in the front office, even if Daryl Morey's former colleagues and understudies are running the show. All right, it's NBA draft season now. Now that we fired Daryl Morey, it's time to shift to the NBA draft. We're about a month out from the NBA draft, and what I want to talk about in the second segment is an important date that's about to come up on Friday. But before we start talking NBA draft, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. While you're there, you'll notice they got everything you need. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. If you're looking for it, it's on rockauto.com. And it'll be there in their catalog that's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. It allows you to quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specifications, and the prices you prefer. And oh, those prices, that's the best part. Because at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low. And they're the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Don't do that. Instead, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right. So we got the news out of the way. Daryl Morey's gone. Maybe he'll be back convincing some other team to shoot an amazing number of three-pointers in the future. But now it's time to shift our attention to the NBA draft. Over the next month on this podcast, in this very space, in your ears, where you listen to me right now, I'm going to talk a bunch about the NBA draft. That's the big focus for the next month. We're going to 
narrow down on prospects. We're going to narrow down on who the Blazers might draft. People in their range will we'll run through some mock drafts. We'll bring on people who know more about the NBA draft than me, who follow college basketball much closer than I do. You'll hear from people who are experts. Your boy is sharpening his NBA draft knowledge so I can weigh in with my opinions or my sort of informed takes based on other smarter, more informed people's work. But that's what we're going to do. This is going to be a draft-heavy run. We're still going to do Mailbag Monday and all those things, but we are going to shift our attention a little bit because that's what it calls for. With that said, I want to get you up to speed on how this NBA draft process is going to work. Because in the past, I've done this a whole bunch, covering the team. Here's Here's how it works on a normal draft season. You get called into the Blazers practice facility. They say, come around noon. You show up at noon. There's a list of people who are going to work out. They are only released when you arrive. You read their names. You interview them about 45 minutes later. You get to see see them maybe shoot free throws, maybe do nothing. That's it and that's all. But at least you get a feeling of who's who's in the gym. And sometimes when you're in the gym, the Blazers ownership is in the gym too. And then you get a sense of who they're really excited about. Well, this year we won't get to see if Burt Cold is sitting in the Blazers practice facility. Won't even get to chit-chat with any former college basketball players because the NBA is going digital. Well, not completely digital. They had a plan to go completely digital and they have scrapped it. Here was the initial plan. It was basically they were going to bring, uh, the NBA was going to organize all of it and they were going to take 85 prospects and over the course of the next couple of weeks... Uh, the league was going to take players through a, a combine with strength and agility testing and some and some medical testing. And then players could, if they wanted to, take part in eight shooting drills. And then the league was going to use that footage to make a 45-minute pro day style video. No team personnel was going to be there um, or involved in the testing. The league would make the information available to teams and... Following this edited pro day video, players were going to be able to do virtual interviews with teams for about 30 minutes and they were going to be able to meet with up to 20 teams. You get your face in front of people and they could see your little edited 45 minute pro day. But now things have changed. Uh, teams have still conducted these interviews over the last couple weeks. Um, some of them facilitated by the NBA themselves that, that allowed media members um, to be involved and sort of talk to talk to players, who have you talked to, et cetera. But now the league has sent a memo to NBA teams saying that in-person evaluation of draft eligible players is cool. It's cool. Uh, According to Jonathan Giovoni, who covers the NBA draft for ESPN, formerly um, of Draft Express, if if you're a longtime follower of of the NBA draft, um, it's it basically it sounds like that a bunch of the powerful agencies and a lot of the first round caliber players were not going to do the um, any of the of the pro day stuff any of the co- like digital combine stuff so then they were just going to send videos to to teams and what was allowed at that point was it would be one player one trainer working out in a gym and and you could send those either live or edited to teams. Uh, but then there was going to be loopholes because if an agent didn't send that, then maybe a third party could upload footage somewhere. And then all of a sudden there's there's just a bunch of shady stuff going on because not every team would have access to the same types of things. Agents can steer the information that they want in various places. That is still going to happen. But now teams are allowed to do in-person interviews. And October 16th, that's tomorrow, Friday, as I'm recording this, um, 
is is a big milestone for the beginning of these in-person workouts because over the next month, October 16th to November 16th, right before the draft, teams may schedule up to 10 visits. They can be with players, draft-eligible players. They can be up to four and a half hours long. They're in-person evaluations, interviews, medical examinations. Only three um, team personnel and one physician are allowed to go uh, meet with these players. It's going to happen in cities where players are already working out. So basically... um, Los Angeles, California, if I had to guess, maybe some people in Vegas and some people in South Florida. I think those are basically the places that people are working out for the most part. Players uh, can be accompanied by three individuals, family member, trainer, agent, whatever. But you're not going to have many people that's six total in the gym, eight total in the gym, including the player, excuse me. Uh, Teams got to submit these formally. 48 hours beforehand, they submit certification from the league that they're going to meet with these meet in this way in this manner and 72 hours prior to these visits everyone involved is going to be in the building has to submit a negative covid test so as Giovanni reports this kind of sounds like a logistical nightmare to get all the things cleared and get and get in the gym with prospects uh there's also some obvious health concerns with uh the travel and the meeting people in uh a closed gymnasium etc it all seems like it's going to be a, a wacky process, particularly for the top guys. Picking who you work out for has always been kind of a kind of a a leverage that that higher draft picks get. But now, even if you're if you're not one of the top five picks, if you're one of the you know top seventeen, eighteen, twenty five, you can kind of really steer who you're willing to work out in front of to kind of pick your spots, more favorable landing spots, um, because you're going to schedule these one-off with the team as opposed to like, hey, here's a window for a group workout if you want to get in front of Portland, here's where you do it. Or if you're on the West Coast, here's here's how it works. It's always been a certain way with high-level draft picks, picking and choosing, but I think this makes it even, even, even goofier. And quite frankly, what are you going to learn from watching a guy work out with one trainer? that you didn't already know. I mean, it's going to, sw- it's at least if you get guys in your building and you go through and work out with their coaches and, and at Blazers workouts, you know, they, they usually schedule, Hey, let's get a bunch of guards in here. We're going to have a guard heavy workout day. We're going to go through all these things. It, you, at least you could see guys go at play competitive one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, getting through a little half court stuff. One guy in a gym by himself. This is a, these are classic, just they're going to be shooting over a chair, shooting, dunking on a five foot nine trainer and climbing up draft boards. But look, that's where we are. And the process, I mean, the process is what it is. Quite frankly, I feel like it could change over the next month, right? Like it's, it's, it was supposed to be a different way. And now it's, and now it looks like you're allowed to have in-person interviews as opposed to just sent in video footage. Uh, According to Javoni, I guess, Teams at the top of the draft were really pushing for this, but maybe some other executives and other teams are like, "Who? who this is this is a, a nightmare. We don't want to do it, or we don't want to jump through all the hoops that it that it takes to get it done. It's 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 just a it's maybe more trouble than it's worth. Which is how I view the whole process is that it, it really is more trouble than it's worth. But the draft is a big deal. It's an important part of team building. I, I guess if you can get into the into a room into a gym with a guy you want to add to your team, and you know. Get some measurements, talk to him a little bit, maybe have your team doctor, make sure that all his bones and joints work well. I guess you got to do it, even if it's, um, if there's a real, some logistical hurdles and some, some health concerns and just some silliness to seeing him work out one-on-one in a, in a lone gym. Someone is going to just 
absolutely dominate a chair and really sky up the draft boards. Can't wait to figure out who just who killed the chair workout. They just they just absolutely could not be guarded by the folding chair. All right, let's close out the show talking about what the Blazers might do in this draft. I want to look back at what they've done recently, how they've approached drafts recently, give us some thoughts about how they might approach this particular draft. But first, I want to tell you all about Built Bar. You know Built Bar? It's the most delicious protein bar ever. It just tastes great. That's the trick. They made a delicious protein bar. Comes in 18 amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar-like texture. If you've tried other protein bars, experimented with others, you know they can be chalky and dry and gross. Bilt Bar is not that. Bilt Bar is delicious. Doesn't delicious sound good? Well, what if I told you it was nutritious too? Bilt Bar is a, a wonderful option for the health conscious among us. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber. Take, for instance, the cookies and cream flavor, one of their six new flavors. It's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 4 net carbs. Sounds pretty good. Get your hands on some of these bars by going to BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Lockdown Blazers. Still talking about the NBA draft. Look, it's going to be a wonky draft. We talked about it in the second segment. The whole lead up to it is going to be weird. It's not the same. You don't get guys in your building. You don't get guys working with your coaches. You don't get guys working out against other guys. One of, I think, the real values of the draft is, or of the draft process was, for instance, uh, a couple years ago, the Blazers brought in Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Justin Anderson. These were two two wings. Uh, Anderson a little more decorated in college, but Rondé Hollis Jefferson maybe a little more NBA type player, NBA type body, NBA type athlete. And they brought them both in to go head to head against each other. They were right in the same draft cl- draft range. They were they were going to be right there where the Blazers were gonna, were going to pick at twenty three. And they brought them in to go to just play against each other, to compete against each other. And you got to you got real you got to see it right there on the court. Now, what they do in two and two and one on one situations maybe isn't the best sort of judge of what they're gonna be like as NBA players, but it is a really quick way to say, yo, which do which one of these dudes is better? And what are they better at? Who's a better def- who's a better defender? Who's a better individual offensive player? You get that you get that data immediately. When the Blazers drafted Myers Leonard, his workout was against Tyler Zeller, the other seven-footer who was going to be right into that draft range at 10, 11, 12, 13. You don't have that this year. And it is what it is. You don't, it's, every team has the same, um, every team has to deal with the same process. Other teams might get a a better shake because, uh, Agents can control maybe where the information flow goes more than they could have in the past when the process was a little more streamlined and harder to specifically hold out information like you can, sort of control the data like you can now. No NCAA tournament, no face-to-face contact for since March. Uh, you know, haven't seen college basketball players play in a while. Uh, other, you know, outside of college basketball draft prospects, you haven't been able to travel and see as easily if they're playing in other countries. It's just, um, this is a year where it's going to be a low information year. 
I'm not exactly sure how that will impact the Blazers. That remains to be seen. But I want to consider sort of where the Blazers are. First of all, let's just let's review what they've got. They have the 16th pick in the draft as well as the 46th pick in the draft. So a first rounder and a second rounder. They don't have a lot of second rounders coming up. They've traded most of them away. So this might be one of their few chances to land a guy in the second round. They've been pretty good at that type of thing. Alan Crabb, Will Barton, Pat Connaughton, Jake Lehman, Gary Trent Jr. So they, they've um, they've utilized second, second round draft picks. They've turned those people into rotation players. So I'm not poo-pooing the second round pick, but I want to focus for right now on the first round pick. The Blazers under Neil Olshay have not typically gone after the sure thing. In fact, I would say that the most can't-miss, sure-thing prospect that Neil has drafted is Damian Lillard back in 2012. Other than that, they've all been sort of risk guys. I think C.J. McCollum was was a relatively obvious pick considering the draft range, but he was a small-school, undersized guard who was picked to be a developmental piece. I mean, they had they were an established roster, and he was hoping that he would hit the upside of a star. I would say he did. C.J. McCollum's pretty darn good. And that's what Neil has mostly done. He's mostly gone after upside-type players. They didn't have first-round pick in 2014. They traded away their first-round pick. Remember Rondé Hollis-Jefferson? Well, he probably looked better than Justin Anderson in those workouts. Blazers drafted him and traded him for Mason Plumley and Pat Connaughton, the rights to Pat Connaughton. Blazers didn't have a first-round pick in 2016 either. But in 2017, and you're looking at their, I'm just going to look at their last three drafts to kind of give you a context of how I would think about how they will approach this draft. In 2017, they traded two picks to get the draft rights to Zach Collins, a 19-year-old who did not start on his collegiate basketball team. In 2018, they took a kid named Anthony Simons, a teenager who did not play college basketball, played a postgraduate year at IMG Academy. And in 2019, they took a 19-year-old who did not start on his collegiate basketball team, Nazir Little, who fell down the draft boards. What I'm saying is the Blazers have gone for upside. They have prioritized upside over guys who can contribute right away. Neil wants to hit home runs in the draft. He wants to draft a guy who turns into a star with his, his chance, his chant, that upside chance, that possibility of being great. He has eschewed maybe players who could contribute more readily, players who could who are closer to our finished product. In fact, I would say one of the players that maybe he thought was that was Caleb Swanigan, who turned out to not be an NBA contributor. So maybe Neil doesn't have a lot of positive feedback with going the quote-unquote safer route. Now, while he's tried to hit home runs, it's not like these. all of these draft picks have turned into stars. Zach Collins has promise but can't stay on the court. Anthony Simons, we just haven't seen enough of him. And the first time he, you know, the first year he got a really big role, he wasn't ready for it, but he was also a 20-year-old. Nazir Little, still a work in progress. Like I said, came in as a teenager. You just got to wait on these guys. But you have to wait on all of them. Eventually, you have to make a decision. They'll have to make a decision on Zach Collins here in the near future. But what I'm saying is, when you are thinking about the type of prospect that Neil is going to draft, I don't think thinking about team needs is particularly useful. I don't think saying, okay, they need a backup big, they need a they need a wing, they need to probably need another guard, and to think about um, you know, this plug and play type situation. It would be ideal if the rookie that they draft this year can play right away, is part of the rotation, and is good. 
But I think Neil's track record suggests that he will go for the player that he thinks rates the highest long term. He is going to swing for the fences. This is what he does in the draft. He drafts on upside, for upside. There's just too much evidence of him doing it since he's been here. I can't imagine he will change his stripes now. So next week, I'm going to start breaking down specific draft prospects, specific guys the Blazers can can get. I want to give a closer look, draft profiles of, of prospects. And I think I know who the ideal target for them should be in my mind. That's what I'll tell you about on Monday's show. The absolute best target, number one draft target the Blazers should go after. Doesn't mean they will. Neil's going to go after who he thinks is going to be the best player long term. Dude tries to hit home runs. It means you got to swing big and you might strike out. But if you want to know who's the absolute number one target the Blazers should have on their draft boards, you have to come back to the show next week. Check me out on Monday. We have the first draft profile of draft season. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search for Lockdown Blazers. It'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.